Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Happy, happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope y'all are doing awesome here today. Today's going to be a giant-themed episode. We've got uh, some thoughts about the the New York Giants and uh, what I'm going to call the most under-talked-about story in professional baseball this year, the San Francisco Giants having the best record in baseball for the last two months, despite the fact that they really have just a whole bunch of no-name players dominating the sport right now. It's been a really weird season so far. We'll get to both of those as our main stories coming up later on. But first, the Clippers proved me wrong once again. Marcus Morris, who I called a certified bum, after game six of the first round against the Dallas Mavericks, went for another 23-burger. Mr. June Reggie Jackson, who I also said should stop taking so many volume shots, had another 25-piece against the, the Phoenix Suns. And Playoff P, whom we have always supported here on the podcast. I'm not going to say that I've called Playoff P a bum I am I'm kind I've kind of with Paul George. So let's explain this part first before we get to what I wanted to do, which was leading up to the Lob City anthem by Tyga and DJ Mustard that we play every time bad things happen to the Clippers, but we can reward them by having good things happen to the Clippers cuz I think the Clippers can do this now. I think momentum shifting. I think the Clippers can go back to LA and win game 6 and game 7 anything can happen against the Phoenix Suns, I think the Clippers can do this. Game 5 was the hardest one to get through, and I think the Clippers can do it from this point forward. But with that being said, my my point on Paul George is that I've always been someone who goes counter to the public opinion because I feel like the people who are anti-Paul George are irrational and angry and trolls, which I love trolling, but... Paul George has also gone through some mental health struggles and catastrophic injuries and shoulder battles. And so I have found the the other lane, which is that when everyone craps on Paul George, I continue to support Paul George. And now Paul George has rewarded that faith by becoming just the third player in the history of the NBA to record 20 or more points in each of his first 18 playoff games in a postseason. 
Michael Jordan did it three times. Kobe Bryant did it in 2008. Kevin Durant did it in 2012 and 2018. By the way, the 2018 run by Durant was combined with 2017 and 2019 to make 41 consecutive postseason games by scoring 20 or more points, a streak that is still active right now, by the way. Kevin Durant has not had a game under 20 points in the playoffs since the sec- since game two of the Western Conference Finals in 2017 against the Spurs. And now add to the list of 20 or more points in each of their first 18 games, one Paul George. Hit that music, because the Clippers are hanging right around here in the Western Conference Finals. No Kawhi Leonard, no problem, because you've got certified bum Marcus Morris, Mr. June Reggie Jackson, who I said should stop shooting shots. It was not a great, not a great take both ways, and... Paul George, Pandemic P, the big three carrying the Los Angeles Clippers towards their first NBA Finals, even though they might get bounced in Game 6. All right. If you want actually a little bit more basketball talk, I assume you can check out the DSD podcast a little later in the afternoon here today. So let's transition over to the NFL because I want to talk a little bit here about the New York football giants, a team that I have been crapping on for many, many years now, Part uh, in part with Dave Gettleman and what's gone on with him across the past four years that he's been in my life, and in part by what the New York Giants are going to be this year, which is kind of in a weird mix of NFC East teams. Now, obviously, this is year two with Joe Judge, year four with Dave Gettleman and the thing that I, I compare it most to is what happened to the Atlanta Hawks. And partially the Atlanta Hawks have been on my mind recently. Um, but at the same time, I have found infinitely fascinating the fact that the New York Giants last year were 6-10 and 10 and yet they felt like an overachiever and an underachiever at the same time. Because the New York Giants were always in the mix for the NFC wild or the NFC East division title, which was basically a wild card. It was for the right to get smacked by the eventual Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even though Taylor Heineke was down six, four minutes to go leading 
a fourth quarter comeback for Washington in that wild card game that people don't remember might have prevented Tom Brady from winning a Super Bowl. But anyways, the New York Giants finished 6-10 and last year. They got a top draft pick, and they also got kind of screwed out of a playoff spot by the Philadelphia Eagles tank job, which, you know, understandable for the Eagles. They ended up trading back anyways, but the difference between that game and not is a first-round pick from the uh, Miami Dolphins. They got it for things that teams compete all year. They compete all year at the bottom to get good draft positioning. The Philadelphia Eagles, by dropping one game at the end of the season against the New York football giants, I'm sorry, against Washington to prevent the giants from making the playoffs, saved themselves an extra first round pick from the Miami dolphins that they acquired by trading from six down to 12. But had they won that one game, they would have been sitting at pick 11 in the draft anyways. So Philadelphia Eagles got that extra pick giants missed the playoffs because they tanked against Washington in the last game of the season. But at the same time, the giants also had Colt McCoy go into Seattle and win a game against the Russell Wilson led Seahawks because Russell Wilson was just terrible in the last eight weeks of the season. It was unlike anything I've ever seen from Russell Wilson, where he simply played bad at the end of the season, but the New York football giants, they are coming into this year like the Atlanta Hawks, who, by the way, the Hawks who are in the conference finals and playing game four tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks, those Atlanta Hawks, did not qualify for the NBA bubble last year. Only eight teams did not make it to the NBA bubble last year. The Hawks were one of those teams. People forget the Hawks were drafting sixth overall in the NBA draft last year. They had the fifth highest lottery odds at the time of last season ending. They used that pick to select Onyeka Okongwu, who I was talking about this off air um, with Damian Lillard and Kawhi Leonard trades. Um, because Kawhi Leonard, please go to the Atlanta Hawks this offseason. I know he's probably going to re-up with the Clippers, but please, 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 Kawhi Leonard, go to the uh, Atlanta Hawks. And I was working Damian Lillard trades in there, because as we talked about on Monday... The ultimate goal for the Hawks from this point forward, because they're going to lose the series to the Milwaukee Bucks, the goal from this point forward for the Hawks should be to find a second star. Find a second star player better than John Collins. Maybe you use John Collins to make that trade happen. Anyways, so what's interesting for the comparison between the Hawks and the Giants is that the Hawks made a massive jump year over year. Not No one thought it was going to be this. Like People thought you know, maybe they would get bounced in the first round against the Bucks. Seeding fell their way where the Heat had to play the Bucks in the first round, and the Hawks got to play the Knicks. So they beat the New York Knicks, who got exposed uh, in the playoffs. And then they got their one in 1,588 chance of having three double-digit comebacks against the Philadelphia 76ers, which can only be described as a collapse by the Sixers, gets them to a conference finals that we're kind of surprised that they're there. So 
The Hawks' massive jump was courtesy of the fact that they added so many different pieces year over year that at a certain point, the talent level just made it such that they had to get better. They just added so much talent that they had to get better year over year. They added Bogdanovich, Gallinari. They added Clint Capella at last February's trade deadline, and Clint Capella had not played more than one game for the Atlanta Hawks before COVID happened. So Capella was getting to play for the first time. They had uh, Onyeka Okongwu come in for the first time. What was Rajon Rondo and now Lemon Pepper Lou, who they traded for at the deadline. The Atlanta Hawks, apart from Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, that and DeAndre Hunter for one year, who's not even playing anymore. Apart from those guys, the entire Atlanta Hawks roster, you could throw Cam Reddish in there too, but Cam Reddish hasn't been playing for the Hawks. The entire Atlanta Hawks roster has basically been overhauled across one season with talented players that made it such that they almost had to succeed. It would be genuinely shocking if they did not succeed, at least in some capacity. Like they had to have gotten better than drafting Onyeka Okongwu with the sixth pick in the draft. It was simply just there's too much, you know, parity year over year. They have the young star. There was going to be some sort of turnover success for the Atlanta Hawks, which brings us to the New York football giants because the New York football giants have also had a significant roster overhaul across this last year. Specifically, they get back Saquon Barkley. They're all NFL running back who, again, we don't know what Saquon Barkley is going to be when he gets back, but he's still really, really good. He has gone for 2,000 yards of offense as a rookie, has only played in about, I think, nine games since then. So there's, you know, there's obviously question marks there, but considering that their running back room was like a rotating panel that ended with Boom Morris, Alfred Morris, who I didn't even know was still in the league, Considering that rotating panel ended with Boom Morris, there was a lot of room to work with going into this year. So Saquon Barkley should undoubtedly be an upgrade there. They added Kenny Galladay as a wide receiver who, you know, you could argue he's a bit of an empty stat wide receiver, but, you know, a lot of wide receivers can be classified as empty stat wide receivers. Uh, Kadarius Toney was their first round pick, even if myself and... Uh, Our buddy Blake Jude were a bit confused by the move, which is, you know, it's definitive Giants move to be confused by a Giants draft pick. That's just kind of part of the process at this point. They get Nate Solder back to potentially be their starting right tackle next year and improved Andrew Thomas, who had a great second half of the season that was a big part of them winning those last like five games, five of the last eight games in the season. I think it was. Um, they have Reggie Ragland. They have Danny Shelton, who's a nice little addition there. Uh, Adoree Jackson comes in. Um, Logan Ryan now plays for the New York Giants. They've made so many different little moves here and there, picking up guys that all of a sudden you've added so much talent. And the NFL, which legislates parity better than any other sport, 
is going to reward you with some level of success. Now, it does not mean they're going to make the playoffs. It does not mean they're going to be, you know, 500, if not a little better than 500. They'll be competing right with Washington and Dallas right up to the very end of the season, I assume, unless one of them, you know, succumbs to injury, bad luck. They're all kind of similar caliber teams. And I forgot who did this uh, analysis, but it was really good on Twitter that basically by running the regression analysis of the NFL, he learned that every single year in the NFL, roughly there's about six elite teams in the NFL. There's about eight to 10 above average teams. Not all of them make the playoffs, but there's about eight to 10 above average teams in the past. That meant about six of them made the playoffs. Now it means about eight of them make the playoffs, which sounds about right because it felt weird that like the bears were in the playoffs last year when very clearly they were one of the next category, which is the eight to 10 teams that are below average or mediocre and then you've got about six to seven teams who are just outright tanking every year it's around that number in the nfl sometimes the numbers increase sometimes they decrease but generally the mean hangs around those averages six great teams eight to ten average teams or i'm sorry eight to ten above average teams eight to 10 mediocre teams and six or seven teams that are just outright putrid tanking, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it. And the giants for about four years have been in that category of rebuilding last year. They were in that next category of being mediocre. They started one in five. They end up having a nice win streak to end the season and only byproduct of the NFC East being terrible, which by the way is their fault that the NFC East has been terrible for the last two years because the natural cycles of NFL parity, which is a thing that I totally just made up on the spot, but the NFL is very good at legislating parity, makes it such that the Cowboys and Eagles, who are elite for a really long time, fell to mediocrity. Cowboys cap-strapped and Dak Prescott injuries and all of that stuff made them a 6-10 and 10 team that at best would have been like eight and eight. So mediocre. The Eagles cap strapped Carson Wentz, not as good as we thought he was lose some pieces to free agency. And now Philadelphia is rebuilding and Washington just the year before last year had the number two pick in the draft. So clearly a rebuilding franchise. That was the perfect opportunity for the giants who had been rebuilding for five consecutive seasons, five straight years of a rebuild for the New York Giants, going back to Ben McAdoo's first year, which we did our What If Wednesday on about the Giants fans basically doing wrong by Ben McAdoo, getting him fired when he was ready to draft a quarterback, um, but they wouldn't. the Maras wouldn't let him move on from Eli Manning. They hired Dave Football Gettleman, and everything went south after that. So five years, half a decade of football, the Giants have been trying to rebuild, which is another part. The New York Giants have been putrid for a decade, won the championship in 2012. They have one playoff appearance in the last nine years. That one playoff appearance, they got absolutely pummeled by the Green Bay Packers. So just a decade of mediocrity, decade of terrible, terrible football for the Giants. They are perpetually mediocre 
which, you know, there's a handful of those franchises in the NFL, the Bengals, uh, the Lions, uh, the Jets, the Jets now have the longest losing streak. It was Tampa Bay, but not anymore. Uh, it was Cleveland, but Cleveland broke the cycle. It was Buffalo, but Buffalo broke the cycle. Uh, just perpetual mediocrity. Jacksonville is another good example, even though Jacksonville had that one magical season in 2017. Just perpetual mediocrity year after year. And now the New York Giants kind of fall into that category. They kind of fall into that perpetually mediocre franchise for about a decade straight. And the Dave Gettleman experience, the reason that the Giants haven't been able to turn it around until what might be this year, or at least look a semblance of good this year, is that Dave Gettleman has missed on literally every single draft pick that he has made so far in his Giants career, which is a meaningful draft pick, which is really, really difficult to do. Like meaningful draft picks, Dave Gettleman, who, by the way, never trades down, has whiffed on every single one. Except I will argue Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence was a free pick that they got from the Cleveland Browns, and he hasn't been a stud, but Dexter Lawrence has been... He started all 32 games of his NFL career so far. He's had a few sacks. He's been a very solid defensive tackle as a compliment to Leonard Williams. So I will say defending him on the Leonard Williams draft pick in 2019. Other than that, let's go through Dave Gettleman's draft picks. And I've done this before. Picks Saquon Barkley in number two overall. Saquon's not outright a bust, but it's pretty clear that they should not have taken a running back with the number two pick in the draft. They had way too many needs to be picking a running back. It was a deal at the time meant to extend Eli Manning's window, even though it was very clear since 2016 when he got smacked, or 2015 when with, you know, Leonard, not Leonard Williams, um, Snacks Harrison and Olivier Vernon and uh, Janoris Jenkins, and all those massive free agent signings the Giants made, that Eli Manning is washed. So they, they again, probably in hindsight, the wrong pick. Denzel Ward went right after, Bradley Chubb went right after, Quentin Nelson went right after, and Josh Allen went right after. So as great as Saquon has been, definitely the wrong pick. Made the wrong pick to take Saquon Barkley, number two overall. Um, better than taking Sam Darnold, yes, but the picks right after that, who you could make definitive arguments. Quentin Nelson was the best prospect on the board at the time. That's like That's not a surprise. Josh Allen could have been talked about as the number one quarterback off the board. Um, they'd had actual conversations about drafting Josh Allen over Sam Darnold, as we talked about in our What If Wednesday from, I want to say four weeks ago, uh, was our What If Wednesday on the uh, on what would have happened had the uh, the New York Giants ended up drafting Josh Allen, which I think probably would have been uh, a better situation for them uh, in hindsight. Uh, maybe that was back in uh, April. Might want to go all the way back to April. Yeah, April 14th. April 14th was that episode that we did. So if you want to scroll down on Spotify or Apple Podcast and check out that as well, uh, April 14th is the episode that you're looking for on our What If Wednesday around the uh, the New York football giants. So anyways, um, Saquon Barkley, they make that pick in 2018. Uh, then we go to 2019. 
where they draft Daniel Jones, although he was the best quarterback available, nobody really thinks Daniel Jones is a great quarterback right now or has that high of a ceiling. He was a fifth round grade, not fifth round, third round grade that was drafted sixth overall, and we crushed him at the time for doing it. It was a better pick than Dwayne Haskins. I thought they should have taken Haskins, and that didn't work out as well. And Drew Locke was the next guy, but the option was really they should have taken a quarterback over Saquon Barkley, or they should have waited before taking Daniel Jones or signed a quarterback or something. Daniel Jones is leaving them in purgatory, kind of like Trubisky. Trubisky wasn't bad, and neither is Daniel Jones. To be fair to Daniel Jones also, on our quarterback rankings, I said it's too early to tell on Daniel Jones. Let's let's not rush in there. It is a little too early to tell on Daniel Jones. So Daniel Jones, pick number six, then the, the Dexter Lawrence pick, then they traded up in the first round to get DeAndre Baker. DeAndre Baker, of course, ended up uh, in a weird like robbery situation um, with another, I want to say not a first round pick, but uh, another player from his draft class was picked by Washington. I don't even remember who it was now. Um, but anyways, uh, so that ends up be leading to him getting cut by the New York Giants over those weird legal ramifications. And DeAndre Baker is now on the practice squad for the Kansas City Chiefs. So one year they cut DeAndre Baker. So a bust of a first round pick um, for not, you know, performance reasons, but still no longer on the roster to show for it. Traded up in the first round to get him. Uh, Dexter Lawrence turned out all right, but they gave up Odell Beckham to make that happen. It was a great move. Dave Gettleman's been great at manufacturing trades. That is one thing that he's been awesome at early on in his career. Manufacturing the Odell Beckham trade was great. Uh, Manufacturing the Leonard Williams trade for like a second round pick was a massive success. So he's been great at, at manufacturing trades early on in his NFL career. 2020 draft uh, took Andrew Thomas at the top of the draft over Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Becton, and Tristan Wirfs, all of whom at the offensive tackle position have played significantly better throughout their first few seasons. I'd also argue Isaiah Simmons should have been the pick there. Isaiah Simmons hasn't been that great so far, but Andrew Thomas being picked number four over those three better offensive tackles immediately That is another really tough one to swallow, considering also that they gave Nate Solder that gigantic contract that might have been the worst in the NFL, although Nate Solder uh, ended up opting out last year. And this year, trades down in the draft for the first time in 58 draft picks as GM of the Carolina Panthers and New York Giants and selects Kadarius Toney, which could be an awesome pick. We, being me and Blake Jude, NFL draft analyst and expert, agree that that was kind of a strange pick. But they did trade down. They get the extra picks from the Chicago Bears. I think that'll ultimately prove beneficial to whoever ends up replacing Gettleman. Or Gettleman might get to make the picks next year and mess it up again because he's just not good at drafting. Just not, didn't hit on any pick. And it's kind of been a problem for the Giants. And yet, It took them a while to get going. Literally, this is now like year five of a rebuild for the New York Giants. So it's now or never because sooner or later that window is just going to start closing because most importantly, Saquon Barkley is eligible for an extension. Daniel Jones is eligible for an extension. 
You just gave a bunch of money to Adoree Jackson and Kenny Galladay, even though the NFL contracts aren't fully guaranteed. You still gave a bunch of money to those guys, so that's another thing that you've got to pay attention to. And windows start to close this exact way because the Cowboys will get better. Theoretically, Washington and the Eagles will get better. And you guys will have to lose some pieces, whether that be Jabril Peppers or whether it be Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton or whoever else you want to throw in there is like, hey, that guy's hitting free agency. He's a critical piece and he's going to go sign somewhere else. Whatever it may be, there are some pieces that end up being subtracted. You have lower draft picks. So when you already botched the high draft picks, I don't know how much faith you have in Gettleman picking the low picks to replenish that team. And it's, and it's a difficult situation to find yourself in with a window slowly starting to close, but it's going to be interesting to see what the New York Giants do going into next season because, like I said, they've added so much talent to a team that, yes, they did beat Seattle with Colt McCoy in just a weird football result where for four years with the Legion of Boom, nobody could go into Seattle and win, and now Colt McCoy and Alfred Morris went into Seattle and won a game like 10-7 to against the Seattle Seahawks. But at the same time, I am willing to admit through all of the Giants' slander, all of the Giants' hate and welcoming them to another decade of irrelevance, the New York Giants are right there with Washington and the Cowboys, which might end up being a, a curse in disguise. Not a blessing in disguise, a curse in disguise. Because the New York football Giants have a contract decision looming on Daniel Jones. And I think that a playoff appearance might lead them to do something they might regret. Because to be fair to Daniel Jones, I have said consistently, we don't know enough about Daniel Jones. We need a larger sample size to know exactly what he is, but we know that he's never going to be great. He can be average. He can be a starting NFL quarterback. Mitchell Trubisky is a starting NFL quarterback. He's a fringe NFL starting quarterback who should probably be starting for a team at going for the top of the NFL. One of those, you know, six or seven tanking teams, but is still a fringe NFL quarterback put in the right circumstance can win some games like he did at the end of last season for the Chicago Bears. Once they finally gave him a stable running game. That was one of the biggest problems for much of Trubisky's career is that if they could just run the football, they were going to be a good team because of how good that defense was. And finally, uh, David Montgomery had 750 rushing yards in the last five games of the season. He was on pace for over 2,000 yards at his pace of the last five games of the season last year. And the Chicago Bears won like three or four games to qualify them for the playoffs at eight and eight, which they also benefited from DeAndre Swift dropping an easy touchdown in week one last year and the Falcons blowing a historically bad lead in game in the week three last year. So the Giants finally were put in a position to succeed. They did. And Trubisky's a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. And Daniel Jones is kind of in that same category right now. Daniel Jones can do different things than Trubisky. He's a legitimate threat to run, and that's why I thought that they should have paid as much money as they could to have Greg Roman be their offensive coordinator next year because it was a real make-or-break year, not just for Joe Judge, but for Dave Gettleman more specifically because if Gettleman goes, I think it's only a matter of time before 
Joe Judge goes three and out, and the team has to start over again, welcoming them to another decade of mediocrity from the New York football giants. But I also fully acknowledge that Daniel Jones, we need a little more time to see what he ends up becoming. Now, like I said before, he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback, probably not going to be a top 15 quarterback, but top 15 is a lower bar to hit than top 10. Top 10 means you have to be better than like Dak Prescott and Matthew Stafford. Top 15 means you have to be better than like Derek Carr. So it's not not the hardest thing to do in the world right now. It's being better than like Matt Ryan. Like I think Daniel Jones can be better than Matt Ryan, even though he's an extremely inaccurate quarterback. And so Daniel Jones will get a make or break year with significantly more talent that might end up being a curse in disguise for the Giants. Because if you make the playoffs and you make a mistake like giving Daniel Jones a gigantic contract extension, that might end up really hurting you. Um, because this whole run has kind of been a bit of mistake, has been built on mistake after mistake after mistake and getting the good luck of the NFL where parity can be legislated over and over, uh, you know, run after run. The, the windows don't last very long. Teams can turn around quite quickly because of the small sample sizes and weird results. Like we're seeing with the Giants, they've failed on every single draft pick. And yet still here they are with a team that's just good enough to maybe compete in that above average tier that we were talking about earlier. Just barely make the top 16. Through mistake after mistake after mistake, they might be just good enough to make it to the top 16 or top 14, which would get them into the playoffs. And that might still end up being a curse in disguise for the Giants and the Giants fans, because do you really want to keep doing this over and over and over and over again with Daniel Jones? Because you guys did not win the quarterback lottery with Daniel Jones. Maybe you keep him around because he's all right and you can get him at only like the 17th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. If you get 17th highest paid quarterback services for the 17th highest paid quarterback, it's not the worst situation in the world. It's what the the Saints are doing right now. Uh, it's what the Patriots are doing right now. But, 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 with the rookie wage scale in the NFL, you're incentivized to try and get another 17th best quarterback, or at least a shot at the board at a better quarterback than the 17th best quarterback, and have him be the 40th highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Get paid less than some backup quarterbacks. So, I don't know exactly what the game plan is for the New York football giants. I know very clearly the rebuild is over, because the rebuild was over last year. Last year was year four of a three-year rebuild for the Giants. They were like, all right, you know, we're supposed to start competing this year. It's not like the Atlanta Hawks, who were last year was technically year three of a three-year rebuild. This is only the third year of Trey Young. So now they went from being behind schedule to ahead of schedule. The Giants are an even year behind that rebuilding schedule. So the Giants are already way behind schedule on like having a competitive football team these last two years. If the Giants had been like the Arizona Cardinals, and maybe they get Kyler Murray in 2019, or and maybe they draft Quentin Nelson in 2018, 
And like they, they get legitimate all pro and pro bowl players through their top draft picks. Let's say they're ahead of schedule in 2019. Well, the 2019 NFC East champion was the Philadelphia Eagles at like nine and seven. And the Cowboys were eight and eight that year. They were the four seed. They went to Seattle. Carson Wentz got a concussion. They lost like, I want to say it was like 20 to 15 or something. Just a really boring wild card game. So nine and seven would have won the NFC in 2019. The NFC East, sorry, not the NFC, the NFC East at nine and seven. Last year, seven and nine would have won the NFC East. So both of those years were built for these giants. If they had gotten like Pro Bowl and all pro players through their draft picks, which were available to them, they just made the wrong picks a lot of the time. The New York Giants could be two-time defending NFC East champion New York Giants. They've made a lot of mistakes. It's the reason why we are, we're all surprised that Gettleman still has a job, right? Is because they've made a lot of mistakes year after year after year. And yet they, they still, you know, same co- GM. He's picked two coaches. They haven't had any success. Gettleman hasn't made any playoff appearances. It's been a long road of mediocrity, and yet the Giants still run it back year after year after year. Same similar core group of guys um, trying to get into now year five of a rebuild. That might just mean you didn't succeed. Now your window is closing, and now you get to be stuck. You jumped from being tanking to mediocre And now you just might get stuck in that mediocre territory with some bad luck. And potentially now, the one thing they didn't have in the past, other than Nate Solder, multiple bad contracts. And that really might sting for the New York Giants. But it also might be a blessing in disguise to realize that you got to fire everyone and just start over again, which sucks. But I attest it's not as bad as being stuck in the mediocre territory for like five more years after you spent like four years in tanking terrible rebuild. It's better to probably just get out of mediocre and try it again. Cause the very least you've got a better shot at landing some generational talent. If you have one of the top five picks in the NFL draft. I hope that (laughs) Giants fans, I know I said that I was going to give you some hope here instead of crapping on you like I do all the time here on the podcast and Instagram, but ended up being crapping on you again. Sorry if that didn't foster the level of hope that I had intended at the beginning of this podcast or the beginning of this B block, whatever you want to call it.
We've been doing this podcast for two years now. Two years. The anniversary of the podcast is tomorrow. And across two years, never have I gotten the chance to play that banger of an anthem that the San Francisco Giants play at their uh, new AT&T Stadium. I know they mentioned Candlestick Park there, but that song's from like the 1970s. Um, but that is a banger of a home run anthem for the San Francisco Giants um, because we've never talked about the San Francisco Giants at length on the podcast because why would we talk about the San Francisco Giants at length on the podcast? The San Francisco Giants, um, obviously they've won all those. They were MLB's dynasty of the early 2000s um, before the Chicago Cubs and that changed the game. Uh, with their you know rebuild teardown and the San, uh, the Houston Astros um, being as great as they've been uh, across the past half decade and the Yankees success and the giant or not the the Red Sox winning a couple World Series uh, from 2013 and 2018 the San Francisco Giants have been pretty irrelevant ever since 2014 they made the playoffs as a late wild card in 2016 they pulled an upset against the world champion Mets got immediately bounced from the playoffs. So like one of those like fun early stories in the playoffs, but 2015 missed the playoffs, 2016 make the wild card by 2017 entire team has been torn down. They had the worst record in baseball, or I'm sorry, the second worst record in baseball that year lost 98 games, did their tanking, got a stud catcher named Joey Bart. Who's going to be up soon for them. It's one of the top prospects in baseball. 2018 sucked again this time not as bad though 73 wins fourth in the nl west terrible season 2019 they got slightly better again uh this time they got to 77 wins slightly increased their win total and then last year with the truncated season finished just below 500 but you know still by win percentage they've slightly increased every single year after that year that they bottomed out, fired everyone and brought in new general manager Farhan Zaidi from the Dodgers, who has assembled a team that looks surprisingly similar to the team that <laughs> that lost all those games that many years ago. Now, a lot of the players didn't play that year because of injuries and whatnot, but the, the, the batting lineup for the Giants doesn't look all that different. It's Buster Posey as the three hitter. Brandon Crawford is hitting uh, fifth or sixth most of the time. He might make the all-star team this year. Uh, Brandon Belt hits fourth or second as the one hitter, and he's been their first baseman since they won World Series. All three of those guys won World Series with the Giants. And after that, it's not like there's a lot of great batters down the line. It's Donovan Solano, who's been fantastic, but he was a 32-year-old in the minor leagues just a few years ago. It's Wilmer Flores, who, you know, was on the was a shortstop for the Giants or for the New York Mets for sorry, we were talking about the New York Giants, the New York Mets for a few years and then bounced around to a ton of different teams like Wilmer Flores. Even this year, Wilmer Flores is hitting like 270 with a bunch of homers and he's above average and he's slightly above average in league OPS. And it's like the the batting lineup for the Giants you could say that that is a team that wins 73 games like they did in 2018. And it's, 
you know, um, Evan Longoria. Evan Longoria hasn't been a relevant major league player since he was in Tampa Bay in 2016. And they took on his contract and they traded for Andrew McCutcheon and they were going to go for it and it helped them get to the wild card. And he's been through all the losing and injuries and Buster Posey sat out a year. And yet, the San Francisco Giants, with one of the best pitching staffs in baseball, led by Kevin Gossman and Anthony DeSclafani and the career revitalization of Johnny Cueto, who was, you know, the trade deadline piece going into this year. He was like, okay, he's finally on the last year of his contract. We can trade him to a contender and get that albatross of a contract off the books. Now Johnny Cueto is pitching at like a a, a borderline all-star level. And the San Francisco Giants, the story in baseball this year has been Jacob deGrom. And the story in baseball this year has been cheating scandals once again. But the real story in baseball should be talked about like the San Francisco Giants have been talked about. Because it's a team that looks almost identical to the team that lost 90 games in 2018 and 85 games in 2019. A mediocre team that all of a sudden has seen one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players have career revitalizations all at the same time, which sets themselves up to be disappointing at the back end of the season. And I still believe that the Giants will regress to the mean and that the San Francisco Giants will end up about, you know, I thought at the time, like four games out of the wild card was six to play, but the San Francisco Giants are really, really good. Like, really good. They have consistently, for two straight months, since May 1st, the Giants have had a better record than the Dodgers. They've had a better record than the San Diego Padres. And yes, we technically caught them at a bad time where they've now lost two games in a row. But before that, they won 9 of 10 games. They were rolling through the National League West. They still have a two and a half game lead right now. The San Francisco Giants have been unbelievably good all season. They've done well against the Dodgers. They've done well against the Padres. It's not like a fluke like the Brewers winning their division while having the same run differential as the Miami Marlins. The San Francisco Giants have a plus 99 run differential. Kevin Gossman. Anthony DeSclafani, guys who they just picked up off the scrap heap. They picked up Alex Dickerson, who's now been their four hitter, just power hitter, cut by the Padres, signed to a minor league deal. Kevin Gosman signed to a major league contract on a one-year deal. They gave him another one-year deal. Now he's pitching like he can be a number one pitcher in the playoffs. It's the thing we always talk about with the Tampa Bay Rays, but it, we don't know where we can't explain it, but this time it's not like they went out and got some no-name you know, guys on cheap contracts. They're doing it with the same players that lost a bunch of games in 2018 and 2019 with a few additions here and there, like Gosman and DeSclafani being number one and number three starters. But other than that, it's the same team that was a bunch of bad contracts a bunch of like high payroll, mediocre baseball that, like we mentioned a second ago, had them fifth place in the NL West, fourth place, and third each of the last 
four seasons, four seasons of bad baseball and losing and doing their rebuilding. And it has been the story of the year. Fastest team to win 50 games, two consecutive months winning without question the most difficult division in baseball. Maybe the three best teams in all of baseball. Now the Houston Astros as well in that mix, but maybe the three best teams in all of baseball playing in the exact same division, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. They're all going to make the playoffs in a week postseason. I mean, maybe maybe one of those central teams makes a charge up, but all three of those teams are going to make the playoffs this year. The San Francisco Giants have been, I've just been saying the whole time, they'll regress, they'll regress, they'll regress. And 81 games into the season, halfway through the season, they are one of the five best teams in Major League Baseball. And it makes absolutely no sense. It's been the story of the year in the first half of baseball so far that we get to share here with you on the Take It Easy podcast. Also, Tampa Bay Lightning, probably going to win the Stanley Cup final over the Montreal Canadiens. 5-1 win in game one. We'll talk about that dynasty as we go on throughout the week. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We've got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up on Sundays and our continuing efforts on the DSD podcast. Check out our return there today as well. You can find the links to all of that in today's episode, as well as following us on Instagram, Comical Sports Memes, and take underscore it underscore easy underscore podcast find us on instagram and take it easy everybody we'll talk to you again tomorrow enjoy yourselves and let's celebrate the two-year anniversary of the take it easy podcast Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.